0: The day of the Lord will not overtake believers like a thief in the night. Did we get that? If you're a believer, and I'm a believer, this warning like a thief
1: in the night doesn't apply to you, and it doesn't apply to me. Welcome to Truth Matters Church and our expository study through the book of Revelation. Today we continue our look at Jesus' letter to the church in Sardis found in Revelation chapter 3. Here, Jesus said that if they did not repent, he would come to them like a thief in the night. With many different interpretations of the meaning of this statement, we must look to scripture alone to see what it and the Holy Spirit can tell us as we seek to understand the truth behind Christ's words. We encourage you to follow along in your Bible. Here is Pastor Alex Contarroha.
0: As we get settled in, And you can get your Bible or electronic device ready. We will continue our study in the book of Revelation. Uh, We find ourselves in Revelation chapter 3. And we covered a a few verses last week and we'll be picking up somewhat in the middle of this text. Uh, But the title of our study today, and I think it's, at least for me, somewhat provocative... I will come like a thief. We will be talking a lot about what is behind this statement made by our Lord. And Jesus made this very statement to the fifth letter of the seven churches to the church in Sardis. And this would be part two of our look into Sardis. Now, let me ask us a question before we get started. How many of us are familiar when Jesus says, I will come like a thief? We've all heard that. Um, we've all read it to some extent. We've all been exposed to it. We've all been taught it. My question to us is, what did he mean when he said, I will come like a thief? Because it is behind this statement and other statements of our Lord that has caused a lot of confusion, especially when it comes to the study uh, and times and the circumstances leading up to his return. So what we're going to endeavor to do as we continue our study in this letter is we're always going to let Scripture inform us. Because what I'm finding is when there are statements like this, and we'll get into it quite a bit, a lot of teaching out there takes it at face value and runs with it. And that has caused just kind of chaos when it comes to really getting behind what was Jesus communicating behind this statement when he he said it, and then as we'll see other authors of Scripture. And then whatever Scripture tells us, we will accept it as what it is, the Word of God. Not the Word of men, but as it really is, the Word of God. And I don't know if you noticed, but I do make it a habit before every study, to really rely on the Holy Spirit of God to bring to our attention maybe some misunderstandings, maybe some preconceived notions when it comes to the study of Scripture, and really be sensitive and open to what the Scripture has to say. And some of you guys might have remembered this, and I encourage this for all of us. You know, when I come to the book of whether it's Revelation or now any other book that I would endeavor to take on, it's good to know that we have, you know, pretty much our beliefs and understanding up to that point, but never come to a study saying, I know it all and I know what I need to know. Then God can't really work with that type of heart to reveal to you more glories in his truth. So what I've done personally, and I would suggest is, is a good practice, is to come with a blank slate when we're studying Scripture, especially at the pace that we're going. We're really going at a snail pace. We're going verse by verse, and we're unpacking a lot of things. And as we're unpacking those things and coming across many of these discoveries, then really the appeal to all of us is once we find that treasure, and if we were off, it's okay, but accept that treasure and grow in it, and we'll continue on that path so that's what we're going to do. We've been doing that, especially since we've started this journey. When I, studied, when I started to open up this book of Revelation, I resisted, what, 20 years? Or, or close to 20 years from even touching this book. Because I know how how complicated it can be and all the different opinions and teachings out there and the great minds of the past and how they've debated over you know the millennia. Like, who am I to try to come in and try to tackle such a, or take on such a, monumental task, but it is in that spirit of really dependence on our Lord and his spirit that gives even my, someone like myself the courage to even come up before you and try to present to you what the scripture really says. And it's coming in that kind of spirit that I've been finding, at least for me, it's been really enriching. It's been really um, eye-opening. Um, I'm telling you, it's, it's as if you went from black and white to what's the latest technology now. I know 1080p used to be it. Now there's like LED, there's 2160. And it would continue to just get clearer and clearer. Well, I can see at least, you know, my goal and my hope is as we're studying his word, we're starting to see things more in its color and the richness and how like, wow, it's really right there this whole time. And all we did was pretty much just focus on it a little better. And I think we'll find that hopefully as we look into our study today when Jesus says, I will come like a thief. And what's that all about? So be ready for that. And I will try to take some pauses in between to engage us in the material so that we can even process it in our mind and get to the conclusion. And as we study these letters, as I mentioned last week, they are epi- they are, these are seven epistles that are kind of consolidated into this one book and we've been tackling them individually and what what jesus does to each and every one of these churches is he's already evaluated them in chapter one he's already rendered his assessment and then he's also ended it with a promise and when it came to the church in sardis what was quite characteristic of this church is jesus found them to be alive but dead which is kind of odd. How can you be alive and dead at the same time? And we concluded there that many among them weren't saved. So this church in Sardis, many of them appeared to be alive, but they are dead. And Jesus found them to have incomplete deeds because of their current state. So when we get to verse two, he admonished them to wake up from their spiritual slumber and complete the deeds set before them. And that echoes what Paul said in Ephesians two, to do do the good works God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. So another way to say this is God has prepared good works and at least for this group in Sardis, those good works weren't being completed because of their spiritual sleep or stupor or their spiritual kind of deadness and Jesus is saying hey before you die completely pretty much to wake up and complete the deeds that my father has planned before the world began and it was after this admonishment that we get the warning beginning in verse 3 which we covered part of that first half and they were commanded to remember the gospel which they received, repent and believe, and complete those uncompleted deeds. And we're going to pick up now on the last half of verse three for today's study, and we'll take it through the end of this letter. And then, because this is a short letter um, and it's only six verses, what we'll do is we'll read verses one through six, and then we'll pick it up in verse three, at least part B of that verse, and continue from there so we've you know hopefully are reminded of where we are in our study so with that being said let's read our scripture reading for today it is revelation 3 verses 1 through 6 and i'll be reading from the nes to the angel of the church in sardis write he who has the seven spirits of god and the seven stars says this i know your deeds that you have a name that you are alive but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And that's a pretty concise letter. But I've already given us a summary leading up to verse 3. So we'll pick it up right at verse 3. And let's reread what that says. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. And he warns, therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. In verse 3, Jesus says and warns them, if you do not wake up. That's a warning. There's a lot of warnings in scripture. This is one of them. You can even say, if you don't wake up, if you do not do this, Jesus says, if you don't do this, and something terrible is going to happen to you. And he describes it as him coming like a thief. So we're going to look at that, which is the title of our message. And he also says, you will not know at what hour I will come. So with that, what is behind this warning? And what is behind this phrase, I will come like a thief? thief in verse 3 is kleptos, and it is what it means in our English. We know what a thief is. I don't need to tell you what that is. Now, this Greek word, kleptos, is where we get our English word. How many of us have heard kleptomaniac? A kleptomaniac is someone who can't help themselves to steal all the time. You're a thief at heart. You're a kleptomaniac. Kleptos, when Jesus says, I will come like a kleptos or kleptes, probably more accurately, it's only used 16 times in the New Testament. Of course, as is the habit of what we're trying to do in our study, is I looked at all of them. How many times was thief used in Scripture? Then I looked at, so there were 16 mentions of them. Kleptes. Then I go, okay, of those 16, which of them was connected with his coming? Thankfully, there was only six. I say, like, oh, That's manageable. Remember, what we're endeavoring to do here is to understand, what did Jesus mean? I will come like a thief. Now, as I mentioned in our introductory comments, you know what is, for the most part, happening when it comes to someone teaching eschatology? I will come like a thief. Huh? I will come like a thief. Okay, so thieves, they come when you're not suspecting, so, and in an hour you don't come. So that means that he can come like right now now i'm going like wait 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 is that the extent of your hermeneutics is that what scripture says or is that what you think so what we're doing is okay well what does scripture say about thief because jesus likens his coming like a thief where else does scripture talk about it and let's put it together to get the interpretation and that's what we're going to do so kleptes is used only six times as far as it being associated with jesus's return and i think we can handle six verses or six at least passages it's in matthew 24 verse 43 he mentioned it's there in first thessalonians 5 it's mentioned twice kleptes second peter 3 verse 10 revelation 3 3 which is what we're studying right now and then when we get towards the latter part of revelation chapter 16 verse 15 so it's a fairly short list, but what we're going to do is, we're not going to even look at Revelation right now. Let's look at it in the other New Testament accounts. So let's start with Matthew 24. And this is the infamous All of it" Discourse. And we'll pick it up in verse 42. Therefore be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time Of the night, the thief was coming. There's the thief, the kleptes was coming. He would have been on alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Now, in the context of this Olivet discourse, the disciples asked Jesus, When will the temple be destroyed? What will be the sign of his coming? and of the end of the age? It was a fairly loaded question. And Jesus gave this great monumental panoramic prophecy spanning from 30 AD until the end of the age, leading up to his glorious return. So here we are, almost 2,000 years removed from that. And when he gave this answer, it covered from 30 AD all the way until the very end. Now, where the confusion was is when Jesus compared his coming like a thief at an hour that you do not think he will. And like a thief, you do not know which day or the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. So it's because of this statement, I think what's often understood and taught and represented is that we must be ready always because Jesus can come at any moment. And it's a passage such as this. How many of us have heard of secret rapture? Let me say some other kind of terminology for it. Pre trib. You kind of hear these schools of thought. So this idea of a secret rapture kind of went as a result of you know this statement and other statements of scripture, or that the rapture can occur at any moment from that first century forward. So here, let me kind of say it another way. Here's what's often misunderstood. Because Jesus said to his disciples, "Be ready always, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect that He will, and that His coming will be likened to like a thief in the night. So therefore, you must always be ready." So, what's often confusing about that? Well, okay, you must always be ready because Jesus can come at any moment. So this idea is that well, then that means that this gathering or what you know is you know the rapture, the 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 great trumpet blast, that that can occur technically from 30 A.D. forward, meaning he could, he could have came at 30 A.D. all the way up to where we are now in 2022, but he hasn't yet, but he could. Is that what he was saying? I'll say this, for starters, the idea, that idea that he can come at any moment at a moment's notice without warning to take us to be with him is not only foreign in scripture, it's foreign in this context. Here's why in this great discourse there are markers time markers that helps us place the timing of his glorious return and you know what that one marker that no one will miss especially the people of israel the abomination of desolation now i want to ask us a rhetorical question has there been an abomination of desolation in the temple in jerusalem yet no so this is future even from us. So when Jesus gave this prophecy in 30 AD, the abomination of desolation hasn't occurred yet. In context, Jesus' return like a thief will occur after the abomination of desolation. In the context. Let me say it another way. Jesus cannot come like a thief before the abomination of desolation. So what does that do with the idea that Jesus can come at any moment without warning? That's not true the context already says it. He, Jesus, cannot come and will not return until after the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. Jesus, Jesus was, in effect, telling his disciples and disclosing it to his followers that when the abomination of desolation occur, know that his return is near, that he is at the door. Thus, we will not be overtaken like our house being broken into like a thief in the night. So here, let me say this another way. When the temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem, we mean when. It will be be rebuilt. Why? There's prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. There needs to be a temple erected in Jerusalem so that this abomination of desolation can occur. That's prophecy. When that that temple is rebuilt and when that uh, great abomination of desolation that was spoken of by the prophet Daniel occurs in Jerusalem where this Son of perdition, this man of lawlessness, elevates and exalts himself above every so-called God and proclaims himself to be God in the temple. You know what we have to do as a church? We're not going to be taken like a thief. Jesus, our Lord, is coming. He's right at the door. We are at the end of history. We're at the cusp of the end of the age. This correlates perfectly with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's read that. And this is a very popular verse. That is, unfortunately, often butchered. Let's pick it up in chapter 5, verse 1. Paul writes there, Now as to the time and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child and they will not escape but you brethren are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief in the night for you are all sons of light and sons of day we are not of night nor of darkness so then let us not sleep as others do but let us be alert and sober let me ask you another like a thief is associated with what day in this passage the day of the lord Look, I highlighted there for us. Stay with me. Paul is saying that the Thessalonians know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Okay. So this thief in the night, this Jesus coming as a thief is associated with the day of the Lord. Thief in the night, day of the Lord. That the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. I'm going to say it another way when Jesus comes like a thief of the night, that is the day of the Lord that was spoken of here. Jesus' return is connected with the day of the Lord and it's connected like a thief. Now here's my next question. So are, are, you, are you following me? Like a thief. When Jesus is coming like a thief, we know that it's after the abomination of desolation by just looking at Matthew 24. And now we know it's connected with the day of the Lord. Who will be overtaken like a thief in the day of the Lord? Or how about in context here? Those sleeping. Okay, good. Very good. See, let's process this. Those who are sleeping. That's why he's saying be alert and be sober. Because if you're caught sleeping, then the day of the Lord will come upon you like a thief in the night. Following. They, them, will be taken, are, are implicated in this prophecy. Who will be the subject of Jesus coming as a thief in the night. He says, they, them. Are you they and them? Well, hopefully not. Hopefully you don't find yourself among that group, because that's not us. I'm not going to tell us who they and them are yet, because I don't want to give you all the answers and give you the end of the movie just yet. But as we continue in our study, we will see who they and them are are, but what I want us to take away from First Thessalonians 5 passage is this. Jesus will come like a thief in the night to whom again? To them, not us. What's clear is that there are two distinct groups being spoken of. There's believers who are not in darkness, are children of the day. The day of the Lord will not overtake believers like a thief in the night. Did we get that? if you're a believer and i'm a believer this warning that jesus can come at any moment at any hour when you do not expect him like a thief in the night doesn't apply to you and it doesn't apply to me because we are not in darkness we are children of day and the day of the lord like a thief will not happen to us but there's this other group unbelievers they are in darkness they are sleeping They are children of darkness. They are of night. The day of the Lord will overtake them like a thief in the night. You following me? Like a thief in the night and the day of the Lord in judgment will overtake them, unbelievers, not us. We are children of the day and not children of the night. This is not what Paul said. God did not destine believers for wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the very words of Paul. So let's pick it up in the same First Thessalonians 5 passage, and we'll pick it up again in verse 7. For those who sleep, do their sleeping at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Believers are not destined for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're kind of connecting the dots here, Jesus coming like a thief in the night, will happen after the abomination of desolation when we look at Matthew 24. And it will apply to those who are unbelievers, ultimately. And by looking here at even verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, so we have thief in the night connected with the day of the Lord, and then we know that the wrath is also going to follow that. But believers are not destined for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord. So Paul was not teaching that Jesus could come in any moment from the first century forward. Paul was teaching that the day of the Lord will not be the same for believers and unbelievers. For believers, the return of Jesus will be a day that we obtain salvation. We are destined for this. That's our destiny. For unbelievers, the day of the Lord will be a day of judgment, wrath, and destruction. The Thessalonians knew full well that they'd not fear the day of the Lord in judgment, as it will come upon the ungodly like a thief in the night to them. And to their credit, Paul acknowledged that of them. So out of all the churches, or out of all the New Testament epistles, you know which church got an A in eschatology? the Thessalonians they knew what the day of the Lord meant now putting this together if we go back to that first century and we were with the believers in Thessalonica and we were gathering there you know when they say day of the Lord yep day of the Lord in judgment that's not us because we are children of day we are not destined to be taken in judgment when Jesus comes to punish and judge the wicked and the ungodly they knew that Paul says you know full well I don't need to remind you of this. And he just acknowledged that. Not only did Jesus and Paul say these same things. Do you know Peter said the same things? I'm taking the words of Jesus. I'm taking the words of the Apostle Paul. And now I'm going to take the words of the Apostle Peter. We'll take Second Peter chapter 3, and we'll pick it up in verse 10. He goes, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. There we go. See, there's a synergy here. Coming like a thief, day of the Lord Connected. Peter does it right here in this very first verse. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Now I want to pause here. And what we've learned when we're starting to walk through Revelation, sometimes there's a time gap. When we read verse 10, it's a very concise statement. That doesn't mean it's all happening in one day. But the day of the Lord is... And when he comes like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burnt up doesn't necessarily have to happen in one day or one single minute as we're going to find when these judgments get poured out on the earth. There's a sequence on which it will happen. But the end, the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. But there will be a succession to it when, before it gets there. It kind of climaxes and escalates until what we know in this present creative order is remembered no more. Verse 11, since all these things will be, are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but the day of God is not the day of the Lord. I believe that when the scripture uses certain designations and there's a little variation to it, like he didn't say the day of the Lord again, and it says the day of God. It's something else. Who do you think God is in here? And it says the day of God. When we see, what we've learned is when Yahweh is spoken of, You know, even looking at the Old Testament, when you see the capital L-O-R-D, which person of the Trinity? It's the Father. And unless, and you notice in the New Testament, it'll always say like the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ you know something along you know that talks about the many titles and offices that has been endowed upon him, but here the day of God I want to submit to us. It's the day of God the Father, the day of God the Father is coming, and we've talked about that early on in our study that after everything is all done, and Jesus fulfilled all prophecies concerning him, and he rules and you know rules the nations with a, a, a rod of iron and he he pretty much pays out judgment and retribution and he also brings the reward and after the millennial kingdom when he gets everything when he when he finally accomplishes all thing and he destroys satan you know the false prophet uh, the the beast and you know his pretty much those whether it's the fallen angels unbelievers are all cast away and he's all done when he's all done with everything then we get this vision that the father is coming now what would be the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, and the new earth, the day of God. So like Paul, Peter associates the day of the Lord as coming like a thief. Are we seeing the connection here? I mean are, are we I went from Matthew to Paul and now to Peter. They're all telling the same story. Peter and Paul associates the day of the Lord as coming like a thief. In this passage, the day of the Lord, earth and its works will be burnt up, will be followed by the day of God with heavens pass, the heavens passing away and the elements being destroyed and the earth and its works burnt up. Guess what's going to happen when we get to the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments? What's going to start happening to the earth? It's going to start to get pummeled and destroyed, but not all in one day. It'll, as I mentioned, there will be a sequence to it. Like Paul, Peter reminds us that such devastation, destruction, and judgment will come like a thief to the ungodly and this fallen creation, but not to believers. He goes on to say in verse 13, same passage, but according to his promise, we are looking forward. We are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He goes, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they also do the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and and to the day of eternity. Amen. So Peter acknowledged Paul's writing into these things, into end times, as difficult to understand. Paul wrote concerning the end times, and we read some of that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And Peter is acknowledging Paul's writing, saying, look, Paul wrote with the wisdom that was given to him, and it's hard to understand, and unprincipled men take and distort what Paul just taught. Isn't that still happening even to this day? And Peter, like Paul, are telling us believers that we will not be overtaken like a thief in the night, but instead we are looking for the new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. So if, you were, if you're a believer, I guess another way to say this, and when you hear Jesus' warning that he will come like a thief in the night and an hour which you do not know, but you put your faith, hope, and trust in him, don't worry, that doesn't apply to you. Just get that. In light of these truths, Peter admonishes us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and us and our ultimate gather, you know, us being gathered to him. Peter, if he were to talk to us, you know, like some of us might be like, oh, you know what, when it comes to the study of, you know, the return of our Lord, (laughs) Peter's like, no, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Learn about these things that the Apostle Paul wrote, that our Lord Jesus taught, that we wrote in, in and recorded for you, that the other New Testament authors also wrote and recorded for you. And this is all in most of their blood. Don't take the return of our Lord and are eventually gathered to Him. Don't take that lightly as a Christian and as a believer. That's what we live for. If we put that as our focus, as far as growing in His Word and looking at His promises and seeing what He is foretelling us, that's going to result in the strengthen of our faith. It's going to result in the assurance of our salvation. It's going to result in having even more faith in His promises because we are growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Another way to say it, Christianity isn't just saying a prayer and then living and going on your merry way to accept Jesus into your life or into your heart. No. The call is for us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of him. And that can only happen when we study his word, when we meditate upon it, and when we allow his truth to resonate in our hearts so that by his spirit, not only can we be saved, but we will be continually sanctified. So with this in mind, let's go back to verse three now. So when Jesus says to to the believers in Sardis, or to the church in Sardis, I should say. He goes, so remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come to you. So using Scripture with Scripture, what we just learned, when like a thief is used, what is associated with it? The day of the Lord, coming like a thief, day of the Lord, unbelievers, judgment. So he's saying, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief to you, and you will be treated like an unbeliever, like the ungodly, like the rest of the ungodly. And you will not know at what hour I will come to you. The day of the Lord in judgment. So in verse 3, when Jesus was warning Sardis, he was warning them of the day of the Lord in judgment. What was he warning them of? The day of the Lord in judgment. <laughs> Which group? They, them. Well, here, the you, if you do not wake up, you will be part of the them. You are not in the faith. You are now out of the faith. So here's the heart of verse 3. Here's the heart. For those who appear to be alive but dead, if they do not wake up from their spiritual stupor, and if they don't remember what they have received and heard, the gospel, so th- these, the church in Sardis, Those who appear to be alive, but Jesus says, but are dead. They've heard the gospel. They've received the gospel. But they don't remember what they've received and heard, nor do they keep it or repent. Jesus will come upon them like a thief in judgment at an hour that they and the rest of the ungodly do not expect. Let me ask us a rhetorical question. When Jesus compared his coming like the days of Noah, for as it was in the days of Noah so it'll be at the coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, when the flood hit them, did it come in an hour they did not expect? Absolutely. Did Noah and his family, were they harmed? No. So just as it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be at the coming of the Son of Man. So at the coming of the Son of Man, the day of the Lord, when He comes in judgment, when that day comes, it'll come upon those the ungodly, and those who are asleep, who were alive on the outside, maybe even in in the Christian arena, but dead in the inside. When Jesus pours out his wrath and judgment upon the earth and upon the ungodly, it'll come upon them at an
1: hour they do not expect. It's pretty clear. Thank you for listening today. We do hope you enjoyed and were blessed by this message. Join us next time for the conclusion of our look at the letter to the church in Sardis, and specifically Jesus' comment about those who have not soiled their garments. If you've missed any part of our Revelation study, you can find all of them archived at our website, truthmatterschurch.org, or simply search for us on Sermon Audio. And if you're blessed by the teachings you're hearing, consider supporting Truth Matters Church. You can give online at truthmatterschurch.org. Contending for the faith, one verse at a time. This is Truth Matters Church.